And then he said, don't wish it was easier, wish you were better. Don't wish for less problems, wish for more skills. I can't catch a break, guys? Yeah. Get them the fuck away from me. I can't, I can't be around those guys. People think, oh well, cleaning your room, that's just a cliche. It's like, yeah, really, eh? Just go ahead and try it. If people had any idea how powerful sleep is for healing from anything, and the fact that it's free. My mind is absolutely bulletproof, solid as a rock. Podcast. Alright guys, welcome to another episode of the Fighting Fit Show. Today we are joined by Paddy Barnes. Paddy Barnes is a three-time Olympian, European champion and world title challenger. How are you keeping, Paddy? Dead on. Just, Thanks uh, a million again for coming on the show. Um, how's how's lockdown, lockdown life treating you? Uh, so-so. So-so. I'm still work, working from home, but... Uh, oh, being stuck in the house all day every day is not good. What do you do? What do you do in your this weather, Paddy? Uh well, I'm working from home at the minute, and uh, like every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, I get to go out because I help with a food bank. So oh, class. that gets me out of the house, thankfully. So unreal. It's good, but but so um, just work from home. Um, plus I've got some coursework to do. I'm still at college. Do, oh, doing happy days. Stuff. So, what are you studying? Sorry, you work? Um, no, I'm doing a, a HND in a sport. Class, class. Cool. What's the, what's the goal with that? What do you want to get out of it? Well, just just to, to educate myself and like um, add them a CV. Cool. Fair play, man. Fair play. As if it's not already stacked enough. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. So what, what kind of what was it that got you in the in the box in the first place, Paddy? Can I bring us right back to kind of day one in the gym? Um, really. <clears throat> I used to go to a place um, in County Down called Our Glass every weekend with my cousins. And they boxed. My uncle was, was the coach. And because I was there, I just decided to take it up, you know, just to fit in. Yeah. Um, back in Belfast, I had friends who boxed as well. So I joined them as their club. So I would train during the week in Belfast and box at the weekends with my cousins. Um, and I just done it just to fit in. Like, I didn't think boxing you know was a dream to be a boxer or nothing I just done put on my friend and my cousins on it yeah yeah and eventually as I got older my friends started dropping off like they, they, they stopped boxing um not much at the club so I fell in love with the sport and I still at it and thankfully I did because it got me to where I am now yeah no big time no because I remember my coach used to say to me I'm pretty sure did you lose your first kind of four or five fights in a row or something like that is that true I lost the first 12 fights. First 12? Wow. Yeah, because I remember my coach saying that to me, because I was saying something similar, I kind of started boxing, kind of, I was really overweight when I started boxing, kind of doing to lose weight and kind of build the confidence, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I'd be trying to maybe lose in hard after losing, you know, three, four fights in a row. And then yeah. the coach said, listen, look at Paddy Barnes. He lost his first, yeah, what was it, 10 fights, 12 fights in a row. And look yeah. at him there, kind of thing. You know, it's a fair play. But listen, I wasn't getting beat up. Like, there were close fights. So yeah, yeah. that's why it didn't deter me too much. Yeah, no, and big time as well. Kind of, a lot of people don't re- realize how kind of competitive kind of the boxing scene in Ireland is, especially kind of up where you are, up in Belfast, man. It's some of the best boxing in the country up there. Yeah, definitely. You know, in Belfast, I think there's 36 clubs alone. Yeah. For, so it's a massive boxing city. Yeah, wow, wow. And then kind of how long did it take then until you kind of really started to come in your own with boxing, until you really kind of started to dominate the, the Irish scene? Um, well, I think you may know, you know, when you're a juvenile, you need to qualify for your province to get the alarms. I can never do that. I always came up short. You know, Carl Fronten used to beat me. No so, way. Um, I never got to Dublin until I was 15. 
where you go down it automatically. Yeah. And uh, I lost in the semi final to uh, a boxer from Clamell called Kevin Fantasy, who was very, very good. And uh, the following year, I got a straight final of three of us, youth two. And I won that there. The week after, I went to a tournament called the Four Nations. Yes. With England, Ireland, Scotland, Wales. And uh, I won that as well. And after I won that there, that's when I knew I, I fought that I was world champion. You know, I just won the Olympics. That Four Nations medal yeah. you know, was a stepping stone for me to stick up the sport. Cool. And you think they're kind of good getting the kind of getting that all Ireland, getting the, the Four Nations, that was kind of the, the confidence build that you needed to kind of feel like you belonged at that level? Yeah, definitely. You know, once I won, obviously the Ireland, but then when I went and um, certified how good it was at the Four Nations, you know, beat the best in Ireland and the UK, uh, it was just an unreal, unreal feeling and something that uh, I wanted to keep, keep doing, keep getting better and keep winning more. Unreal, and because I know you, um, you kind of had the, the Belfast boys. I remember, I remember years ago seeing the videos kind of done with, uh, I think it was uh, of, of the Joyce fella with his hands and petrol and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> kind of, you kind of have a, a really kind of solid community of kind of fellow fighters up there. Was it kind of some, some kind of everyone was kind of pushing each other along, or you'd see these boys achieving this, and kind of everyone who kind of want to maybe keep pace with everyone else? Yeah, we were lucky because you know um, Belfast has such a massive um, talent of boxers, a massive crop, sorry, so. We're all on the high performance together, so we're all very, very friendly, and we all push each other to do the best we could, and and help the lot. So you know, we weren't just a, a team; we're basically like a, like a family. Yeah, cool. And that helped. You know, we, we were if lines are feeling down or not training hard, you no, know, always made sure we had each other's backs and you know, push each other to be the, the best we could. Unreal. And then what, it was 2007 then when you got, you got to the, the World I think you, you were injured. You got injured at the EU Championships. Then you went off to the, you went off to the World Championships. And that's just the, the first time you fought uh, Zhu Shiming. Yeah. So if you talk about the EU Championships, I fought, uh, I got a dig in the eye. And I think, I think it was a split retina, the doctor said it was. Um, it was against the guy who's now world champion, um, Nordine Ubali. Ah no way! Is that is the nerve that fell in the there? The nerve said he was fine. Yeah, he's fighting him next. Yeah. No way. So he 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 beat me, and uh, I went after that tournament. I went to the come up championships, which were in Liverpool, and uh, I won gold there, and I beat the world youth champion in the final. But when I came back to Ireland, the team was being selected for the world championships, and they were only sent six boxers. And I called in the meeting and said, listen, Paddy, you're not going, you're not good enough. And I argued the case, listen, I beat the World Youth Champion. Um, it's the first year as being an Irish champion. I think everyone deserves a chance. Mm. No, no, you're not going. So away I went. And two weeks later, there was a Senate Council meeting. And all the champions of Ireland got to go, which is only fair. Of course, yeah. And uh, out of the whole team, I was the only one to go and qualify. And the only person that actually to beat me was uh, the reigning world champion, Zhu Ximing. Wow. And can you find it kind of going to the world championship with that kind of motivation, like kind of trying to maybe prove, prove the doubters wrong? Did you feel like that's going to be what spurred you on to kind of get so far in the competition? Definitely. You know, as soon as I was selected, you know, even before the games, I always wanted to go to the world championships. For me, that was the biggest tournament. And uh, when I went there, I just I was so lucky. Uh, I was so pumped up to see how good it was against the rest of the world. 
Yeah. And plus, as you say, that I wanted to uh, prove this lack is wrong and show them that the, you know, and I come here to make up numbers and I come here to uh, hopefully win gold, but ultimately qualify for Olympics. You know, cool. And then, so then, so what happened then after that? So after the, the your first Olympic Games, um, you you I think you won the the European gold. Then after that, wasn't it? Yeah. So after, after the Olympic Games in two thousand eight, there was a European Championships in Liverpool. I'm end of the year, but uh, I was stacked the front. I said, "No, I'm not going to go. It could be barred. I just want a bronze mix. I don't want to go to the Europeans." So I think we have a break. Then uh, two thousand nine. I went to the World Championship in Milan where I lost the fight in points, but it was a ridiculous score. No, I definitely gave the guy 2,000 counts. He was getting points for the count I gave him. The ring oh. was ridiculous. So I was Somebody judging home. in amateur boxing is... Yeah, ridiculous. ridiculous. So I was sent home from that, that tournament. And the following year, I went to Moscow to the European Championships. Um, I actually... Bef- I would say six weeks, or eight, probably eight weeks at the most, before my first Europeans, I uh, had a, a, a hernia operation. Oh. So I couldn't train properly for the Europeans. I'd done most of my sessions on a bike. So no, no real sparring, um, no power work, no nothing. All my conditioning was on the bike. And I went and uh, won the Europeans. Wow. And then that, was that, what, how did you qualify for the next Olympics then? So the next Olympics were in London and uh, I went to the World Championships and lost a first fight against the Falcon Mark Briga, um, who has since professional now. Um, so that was not with me out. So I had to wait to the last qualifier where I went to Turkey and uh, the top four qualified and I reached the semi-finals and that got me my spot in uh, London. And then in the can again, can you you were can I pip for maybe can this big revenge match match against Zhu Shiming? Um, what was it? it? Was fifteen fifteen points level? And then yeah. it was well, 35, 34 on the count back. Yeah, like literally as close as it could possibly be. Yeah, in fairness, I remember in the fight, I just said Billy Walsh isn't all I want to do is score a point because I don't want to be in bars again. And then we're getting back at the first round, it was like seven. Cause, yeah, because was the first fight? Was the first fight fifteen zero? No, no. The, my, I, I fought him three times. So the first time was twenty three nine, and then the second fight fifteen zero in China. But yeah, that was it, that, that, that was poor, poor, poor yeah, judgment, wasn't it? He it, it, it definitely got the better of me, but yeah, but no, it wasn't a zero zero score. Uh-huh. But then going on to London, you know, when I fought him, is that a, I only wanted to score a point, you know. I wanted to make sure I got that point because I'd be embarrassed if it didn't. And the kind of fair he is, he is hard to pin down. Yeah, big time. So I'm back to the corner at the first round. Um, the pressure was on me not to win, but just to score a point. And when Billy Wallace told me it was 7 4, you know, the pressure has left me. But on next round, three each. Next round, 7 4 to me. So it was count back. And in the fit itself, I thought he was a bit slicker. And just a bit more cooler than me. And I thought, you know, he, he won the fight. But then, when it was tied at 15 each, um, I thought it definitely should have won because, you know, I threw more punches. And count yeah. back is, you know, the scoring shots thrown, yeah. registered. And I threw way more than him. So, I thought count back probably should have got it. 
And it's what so that was your that was your second Olympic uh, bronze medal. Yeah. And what was the what was the plan then? The plan was kind of still hungry for the gold, kind of get back to the drawing board, kind of still looking for revenge. I think the Zushimeng did he turn pro then at that point? Um, he he did turn pro at some stage. Yeah, he, possibly after that. Yeah, he he will turn pro after that. Yeah, he he didn't have any more tournaments. Um, yeah. I think he took it a year out, and then um, top rank. I think sent him up. You know. Yeah, I remember. I remember. I remember seeing his debut at some point. And then, kind of, what, how how was Paddy Barnes feeling after that? After that Olympic, so second Olympic bronze. How are you feeling after? Kind of, obviously, you 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 proved that you could, you know, you could mix it with the, the best fighter, you know, in the division yeah. for the last, you know, decade really. Um, how did you feel then going going forward then into into your own championships? Like, did you feel were you confident for the next the next Olympics? Yeah, definitely. It was, uh even in twenty twelve, I wasn't as finished article. No, I kept getting better and better. I think probably my best year was 2014, 2015. Um, 2014, where I won the Commonwealth Games for the second time. And then 2015, where I qualified for Rio through the WSB. You know, I won was it eight fights, seven fights unbeaten. And WSB. Yeah, I think, well, I was, I was on Wikipedia, I think, yesterday. I think it did right. Yeah, your record was six and one or something. Is, would that be right? Oh, six, you thunder? Seven and one. Seven and one. Yeah. But I want the. On two seasons, the first season I've done, I won fight and I lost to um, Fowler in Algeria. And uh, then you were undefeated after that. Yeah, so I moved. How did you? How did you find it? Did you find? Did you find that even kind of from a um, did that kind of maybe like was that more suited to to pro style? Do you think that maybe that inhibited your your like your your amateur style, or would you find that was beneficial? The, the kind of the World Series of Boxing kind of it's like a like a pro for people who don't know it's like a, a semi-pro kind of kind of thing I kind of thought in a way it, it, it would have but once I turned pro it turned out no yeah. no professional boxing is is a totally different sport um, people think a great amateur will make a great pro but it's never the case well, not, not never the case but yeah. so if you if you ever look look the likes like Sean McComb as an amateur you probably think like He's not doing much as a as a pro. Yeah. But his but yeah, state he's tall, perfect. rangy. Yeah, his, his state is perfect. Yeah. Um, so you know, come for fighters. Um they've less chance of making it, I think, because of the fact that like we're talking about WSB, the gloves and provides the boxing are totally different. You can't have a defense. So it's about hair movement, about slip and rolling. Now it's done, like, right, I used to hands up, take guard. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, so you're saying because the eight ends gloves, you, you can't protect yourself as much. Yeah, you can't, and um, it's it's impossible to do. You give yourself brain damage. So, you know, professional boxing is a totally different sport okay, than cool, uh, cool. amateur. And then, and then, so then, so then you kind of use, so you qualified for the next Olympics, then through the WSB, um, Rio, Rio 16, and kind of talk us through the tournament, kind of what, what happened. Yeah, so uh, I had a five right per performance um, against Spain. I was sparring him um, before, and um, you know, good spar, but you know, we could definitely get better of him. Um, but going in there, uh, you know, I was so excited. You know, I was feared to win gold. I couldn't wait. You know, I really thought that I would win gold. But I went in, in the first 30 seconds, I just died. You no, know, had no energy whatsoever. And uh, People keep going on me about saying, "Oh, you you're at the wrong weight," but I really wasn't at the wrong weight. I was at the well, proper. Did weight. you move up weight for for, for the Olympics? 
No, no, but still four nine kilo. But people say, well, what happened to you if if you had the right weight? But why did you blow up so much? Like why retired so early? And I said, and you know, I went in at eight a.m. and I fought at eleven thirty a.m. No, I've never my whole career went in and fought so close to the way in. You know what I mean? I've never yeah. ever done that in my whole career. It's not something that I knew beforehand what's going to happen. It's not something they could have trained for, but something would happen. Yeah, because that's something that they've, that they've changed in the last couple of years, especially with a, a, a specific emphasis in amateur boxing to do weigh-ins the same day that people fight. I think it's mostly kind of aimed towards kind of younger kids, so they're not maybe trying to drain themselves too much before before big fights and that kind of stuff. Is that right? I don't know the real reason behind it for it, like, but you know, amateur sport do that. Or I, I know in WSB you weigh in day beforehand, yeah, which suited me to the ground. But um, even amateur boxing, you know, if I weigh in and I fought like. Six or later, I'd be yeah. fully. Well, usually, yeah, waiting in the morning and then fighting the evening or whatever. You know, yeah, yeah, but a few hours. Even in the afternoon, which is yeah. usually the case, but never in the morning, like you know, especially on Olympic Games. Um, and that's what ultimately cost me it, you know. Yeah. Um, because the Spanish Valley beat me wasn't much, much good, but you know, I just nothing left to give. Yeah. And even though it was close fight, you know, I I had the next fight again at the same time against a better opponent, so. It's probably just for the best that I went out the way I did. Yeah, big time. And then, so where were you? Where was your Where was your head at then after the Olympics? So you thought you were going to win the gold, kind of. You you're all set for it, and then kind of kind of didn't go to plan. What yeah. What were your plans then for, in in relation to boxing? Then straight after. Well, I already knew I was going professional. You know, I had met MGM. They were at the time, <clears throat> my MTK, um, and they were looking for me to go professional. And I say, right, well, I'll see how I go with the Olympic Games. No, but whether I win gold or nothing, I'm always going to go. And uh, so once I came home, I think it was in September, I texted the boys at NGM. And last time I went, went on baby, and it says, right, make it October 20th, Belfast, bang, there you go. Game of Davey, that was it. That was it straight in. Yeah, and then so like, cause I think was it your European champ by your third fight as a pro? And yeah, so world title fight it's for at your sixth fight, is that right? Yeah, so once I turned professional, like you know, I was 29 and uh, I thought with my, my experience and my age, you know, I've had a lot of fights and I, I was already a, a pretty known name in, in boxing in Ireland. Yeah, but you know what? Like, you have like Carl Fratton, Ram Burnett, um, a few other boxers in Belfast who are world champions in Ireland here, world champions. Um, so me becoming a world champion, but wouldn't really be like wouldn't really be a big thing, you know, because we have so many. Exactly, because you're because you're your Olympic pedigree, kind of yeah, kind of people would have almost expected you to kind of you know be yeah. top of the world. Anyway. Yeah, like, you know, because you know, I have world champion champions here, but I wanted to do something different. I wanted to step away from the best because I created history as an amateur, um, so I wanted to create history as a professional, and I. <laughs> I had no dreams of, of being a professional, so I went to NGM and said, listen, I want to go for the big fighters straight away. You know, if I lose, I don't even care. Um, as long as I lose the best, I don't care. And, you know, I don't want to fight journeyman. So my first fight, I obviously had to fight a journeyman, my first fight. Yeah. And my um, second fight, I fought a journeyman. But the third fight, I fought a guy for the European belt. Um, 
he was a pretty solid fighter. Um, he's been European champion himself. He actually fought for the WBA World title in Japan and he got a terrible decision against him. He should have won that world title. And um, you know, I picked him. It was a tough fight, but I came through it. And then I had like, I done a six rounder, six rounder, then three into a ten rounder. Um, then I done our six rounder in Edinburgh against uh, who was meant to be another, another journeyman, but I beat him on points. And his next fight, he, he knocked out two unbeaten prospects, oh. and then he won the European Union belt. So it just shows you he, he wasn't as bad as we yeah. make it to be. And then obviously the sixth fight, they went for broken forward title and uh and they got ripped broke <laughs> yeah actually yeah so how, how did that fight go kind of how, how did training camp and stuff go, go for that fight because obviously even as an amateur you know even they can say you're an amateur you're probably you're you you were full you were full-time training even as an amateur where you're kind yeah. of getting funded and that kind of stuff probably training twice a day the whole lot yeah i, I was i've been a full-time boxer since i was 16 uh training twice a day you know it's been my life and job um so i'm, I'm pretty used to you know people say training's hard but for me it wasn't hard um, because it's something you're accustomed to, you're used to it. Uh, but for the world title fight, you know, it went well. Um, I feel the fight was going well at the start. You no, know, I, I was. I just didn't know whether the boxing were fighting, but I, I was still working on working on it. I'm I'm sure he was too. Um, but Rosal is watching him. I watched loads of his fights, and he only knows how to fight one way, you know, in your face. Yeah. I can box and I can fight, so I was trying to work out which way was best. Um, and the fourth round, he just I was throwing Heath through at the same time, and never even hit me up in my life. And uh, I remember actually when I was on the ground, the referee counting, I knew I was never getting up, never getting up. <laughs> the bell went, and I was like, Geez, am I see about the bell because if I am, I still can't get up. <laughs> <laughs> And how did how did you feel? How did you feel after that fight? Because then obviously, um, you know, you're sure you're still you were still relatively young in your career, kind of still still a lot again a big lesson there. And as you said, kind of you know, um, Rosales wasn't it? Yeah, Rosales. Rosales, you know, great great fighter. Um, he was actually just beaten by was it? There was some sort of kind of trilogy there with him, Martinez, and Charlie Edwards from England, isn't there? Kind of, yeah. or he beat him and he beat him kind of thing. And who has the belt now? Martinez has the belt now. Yeah, Martinez has the belt now. Yeah. Well, what happened with him and him and Edwards? Was it he was disqualified for hitting Edwards on the ground? How did Edwards end up losing the belt? Um, well, Edwards didn't actually lose the belt. Uh, in the fight itself, you know, Martinez was dominating them, and they put him down. And as he was down, he stupidly hit him a, a dig in the kidney for whatever reason, and Edwards fell on it and um, stayed down, and got the guy disqualified. So did Edward get the did Edward get the belt then after that? Yeah, yeah, he he was still champion because the the guy was disqualified for a legal blow on the ground. And the, but then the, then how did how did how did Martinez end up with the WBC belt? So Edward vacated it. He, he, oh, okay. Edward won me match him, so he moved up. He vacated the belt. Ah, okay, okay, he okay. okay, okay. Title. And yeah, and then back to your end. So when you after Rosales, kind of again, you had the broken again. Is this the twenty things like there, just, there's nothing you could do? Like your ribs are broken, you know, and you can't yeah. even the, the toughest man in the world couldn't continue, you know. So like, what was your plans then after that? Um, I don't at the time I can't remember. Um, retirement never came to my head, but thought you know, 
Because Leif Lessner, you know, uh, should have been good. I know it was boxing well until I got caught. And uh, so they said, you no, know, I'll go again. And uh, I was meant to fight on the front of the morning card. And uh, I was warmed up, warmed up three times. And uh, I'm out to fight. And uh, no, I'll on, like, no, I'm yet, I'm yet. Was like quarter past twelve, and I'm um, still sitting there, and no one came to me and saying, "Part of your fate, your fate's on, your fate's off." And I got the half twelve, I just took my money off. Um, so I went the fate there, <clears throat> and then I was training again, and my team called me up and said, "Listen, we got your fate on McCollins card in New York. Um, here's the opponent here for you." I like. She's a bit big for me, like you know, a uh, bit big. But you know what? Um, I I did actually turn him down. He says, nah, it's too big for me. No, no way. And um, my coach said the same. But then I went, know what? I'm gonna take the fight because, you know, he is bigger than me. He's not the best. Um, and plus, I'm getting the fight on the main card, on ESPN. In America. In America, Madison Garden, you know, somewhere. But everyone doing the fight. So I had a thought tasting there, you know, what occurred. <laughs> and uh, I went to the fight, and the very first punch he hit me with, he broke my nose. No. Um, so if you watch the fight, it's a really, really good fight to watch. But in there, you know, I wasn't engaging a lot or wasn't attacking a lot, but it looks like I was because the pain my nose was excruciating. So it was, you know, mm. but when you touched it, it was like a, getting hit by a sledgehammer. Like the blood, the blood never affected me whatsoever. Like, I think it was in my eye for about three seconds in one of the rounds, but blood was everywhere, but, you know, it didn't affect my performance, just the excruciating pain did. Yeah. And how, how many fights in after that did you have, Paddy? So one, two more fights at that before, well, three all together, two more, and then the fight with A-Horse. And how come, what was, and how come then you made, what was it that kind of you decided, you know, I'll, I'm, I'm going to call the day? Um, well, I was actually planning on moving down to Lake Flywood after my two wins from losing in New York. And um, the team phoned me and said, listen, Paddy, uh, we're shot here for the European title against Jay Horse. No winner gets a world title shot. It's like, you know... Jay Horse is an English lad, wasn't he? Oh, Welsh. Welsh, right. Like, obviously, you know, world title can't be classed. European title shot's nice, but it's not the weight that I wanted it. But says, no what? I'll take Jay Horse, definitely. I definitely beat him. And I uh, took the fight. And, you know, just what? Even in training camp, I remember I was sparring. I was sparring like Lee McGregor, um, Ian Butcher, and a few others. And I remember like stuff that I, stuff that I was burning that, slip, slip punching, um, black punch, just different stuff. Um, I couldn't do. I just, my reactions were really, really slow. I remember in training, I'm thinking, geez, I'm definitely feeling myself slowing down. And for a flyweight, you know what's... Yeah. It can happen. It'll be fast, high volume. Flyweights are some of, the best, some of the best, most entertaining fights in the world. Definitely, you know, definitely. Flyweight down, the best fights. Yeah. Um, be but fun. I knew, like, because of my re- reaction times were, were getting slower, there's no way on this earth I could be a world champion. Um, I was only kidding myself. And, like, even for the hardest fight, like, you know, Jay Horse is only European champion. You know, he never beat him. 
I'll probably take the world title shot, but I would tire straight away after because, you know, I, I don't feel at this stage it's good enough because obviously my body is getting slower. Yeah. Uh, what age were you at that point, Paddy? 32. 32. Yeah, 32. And how come any, do you, do you ever kind of maybe regret making that decision? Ever kind of think maybe you kind of were watching a couple of fights thinking about I could take him? No, no, no. You know, I actually remember my third, my third and fourth fight, you know, uh, can't remember the guy's name. He was 60 and 10. Or 57 and 10. Mexican. Um, I wanted to fight him. I wanted to fight Donny Natez. Like, all these serious, serious containers. Team's like, ah, oh, it's not your party. And looking back, I'm like, thank God. Because yeah. I got, <laughs> <laughs> And then after, after, um, after kind of, kind of finished up the boxing career, Paddy, then kind of, you became kind of a big, a big advocate for mental health and kind of, again, you're, you know, doing, doing good work within your community. Um, but recently you've come in as a, as a big advocate for, for, for gambling. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit your, your story with, with gambling? Yeah, so I'm a well-being ambassador, mental health and well-being ambassador for Sport and I. And, uh, I don't really know how it came about, you know, I was, I had a talk one day and I just mentioned it and then I just told me my own story and ever since that, you know, um, people have been contacting me and saying, you know, thanks for speaking out and all because, you know, if it happened to someone like you, you know, it can happen to anyone, which is true because like, I'm the one like, so we're all the same and I uh, spoke out and, and thankfully it's, people has given me prayer messages and all because they've had problems themselves and I just know we talk to each other just through physically and share our problems so it's it's been a positive thing and what kind of what kind of advice anyone in, in that kind of sim- similar situation kind of maybe struggling with gambling because obviously listen the whole thing with online it's like it's everywhere it's in your pocket 24-7 there's no escaping it yeah. um, what advice would you give the people that are struggling at the minute uh, it's, a, it's hard you know just if you have a problem it's not just for gambling any problem um, the hardest thing is talking about it but once you do talk about it um, you may feel shame or whatever but when it's out there it's out there can't take it back and um, a problem a problem shared is a problem halved, halved and uh, you know, if you do speak you know, no matter how shame or embarrassed you may be you know, definitely definitely it, it, it really really helps no, fair play, Paddy. Fair play. Yeah, and then so kind of plans going forward then. So obviously you kind of have the, the Paddy cast has launched. Um, we've got some amazing guests on there as well. Yeah. And we said I watched Nanino uh, Donero on the podcast this morning. Really good again. He's one of my favorite fighters uh, growing up. I used to love watching his kind of his training videos and stuff all that on YouTube. Really good, really good, uh, good kind of highlight reels as well. Some very spectacular knockouts. Carl Frampton, Shane Lowry, loads of kind of really top names on it. What's kind of the plan with the podcast? Yeah, a while ago, you know, I thought about, you know, uh, starting up a podcast um, but, but initially it was like for like Irish Olympians um, people who may, may not have a platform to speak and I was going to go around like different sports and like just interview them but because of this lockdown I said you know what let's do it now and let's see what kind of guests we can get and start messaging people who don't know and you know thankfully it's just Shane and Laurie and you know the news on our um, back Aaron to me Darn Till, you know, Laura, big, big name. Um, and there's many more lined up. So, you know, it's, it's kind of going where I want to go, but I never expected it to. So you might be the next Joe Rogan, is what you're telling us. Who's that? <laughs> <laughs> um, listen, Paddy, 
like I generally can't thank you enough for Cole coming on me tonight. Um, again, what are we? It's about 10 p.m. here now. Um, but again, generally, thanks a million for coming on. Um, if you could perhaps sh- share your contact list with me, maybe get a car Frampton or make Connor one the boys on mine. That would be that would be great. Yeah, boys, um, charge a fortune. Huh? Them boys charge a fortune. Did, <laughs> did you have to pay them for an appearance? Did you? Uh-huh. Except for my brown envelope. Forty-five for each. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, well listen Paddy again really appreciate you coming on um, wish you the, be- the best with everything that you do um, hopefully we'll see you, see you on again in the future no problem at all T-Z. appreciate it Paddy thank you very much